0: For BYU Idaho Radio, I'm Ashley Chilcutt. Joining me today over Zoom is Sister Tracy Y. Browning, the second counselor in the primary general presidency for The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. She was born in New York and grew up in Jamaica, the West Indies, and New Jersey. She married Brady Browning on May 2, 1997. They are the parents of two children. We're here to talk about church service, personal conversion, and being a modern day pioneer. First off, thank you so much for being willing to interview with BYU-Idaho Radio, Sister Browning. Thank you so much, Ashley.
1: I'm so happy to be with you.
0: So, Sister Browning, you were called as the second counselor for the primary general presidency for the church in April, and officially began your service in August, just over two months before speaking in general conference in early October. How did it feel to be speaking so soon after being called?
1: Yeah, I think I was a little surprised as well. Obviously, very grateful because I, I look at that um, opportunity to to stand at that particular podium and to share messages um, alongside prophets, apostles, series, and revelators. I, I look at that very solemnly and um, significantly. So certainly, um, while I was surprised that that I was uh, asked to to and were invited to share a message so soon into. Um, into my service, I, I really focused on making sure that that I was doing that significant of an invitation justice by being very prepared to, and uh, very prayerful about what it was that I was being asked to do.
0: And that was very evident. I've actually talked to people about conference after the fact and while they may not remember the specific names of speakers they're always like oh I really liked the one about the glasses and I know of course that was your talk and it's titled seeing more of Jesus Christ in our lives. I'm curious to know what inspired this topic and the analogy of the glasses. Thank
1: you for that question, Ashley. I think the inspiration really is that I, I prayed and wanted to understand what did Heavenly Father want me to share? I have this unique opportunity. What did He want me to share? And what continued to come to me, um, time and time again was that we needed to see uh, Jesus Christ more in our lives. And we needed to see that in, in a few different ways. We needed to look at the world and our lives and all of the things that we have gained experience in through our Savior, through his laws, through his doctrines, through his love, through, um, through his perspective, uh, through his plan of happiness, We needed to see through him and in order to, and when we see through him, we'll be able to see more of him because as the scriptures tell us, all things denote that there is God, right? Right. So we're looking for him, we're looking through him and we're using the things that he has given us to help us in this experience of earth life and living here and and going through all of these particular opportunities as tools and resources to do those two, two things, to see more of him and to see through him.
0: Your glasses are very spunky. I think they have like a (laughs) cheetah print or leopard print on the rims. Uh, And I noticed that at least in some of your videos on your Instagram, your skirt is coordinating with your glasses frame. So I thought that was very fashionable of you.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love that because it's non-intentional. These glasses (laughs) are going to have to coordinate with everything because they're the ones that I choose every single day to put on.
0: (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. So going back to your Instagram, you have been going on to your Instagram and sharing a hymn of the day, maybe. I don't know exactly what the segment is called, but you're sharing primary hymns and talking about different lines that are impactful. How has that experience been so far?
1: Yeah, it's been a really deeply um, powerful experience for me because as I've mentioned a few different times in different places that I joined the church when I was a teenager at 16 years old, so I didn't have the privilege and blessing of attending primary as a lot of other members have had who have been lifelong members of the church. So serving in this assignment now almost feels like I've been given the sweet chance to go and revisit a, a time and a season in my life that, that I didn't have. And a part of what we know the primary experience offers to primary children, and one that I hear from adults, you know, m- many years later as they talk about their primary experience, is their love for the primary songs, because the primary songs teach doctrine. And as a leader, I know in primary, we spend a lot of time helping to um, instruct our primary leaders about how the primary songs are a tool that help our primary children to make, to understand their covenants to understand the doctrines of Christ, to put into context and use their senses to really deeply plant the gospel in their hearts. I wanted that experience as well. So I I didn't want to be left out of that experience as well and I thought what a beautiful opportunity that I have to share that with the children that I'm I'm that are also going through primary. So knowing that the Savior provided this opportunity meant that I could learn the primary songs as well.
0: I think that's a great perspective because I've heard from through my experience in primary, the teachers sometimes would stop and say, I think I'm here to learn from you children. And I thought that was a really interesting dynamic because obviously the children are just kind of like, I don't know what I have to offer. You're definitely more grown and you seem more spiritual and that kind of thing. But I think the Lord works through all of us in teaching his gospel. I think that it's really interesting to consider that those young children in primary were with God not that long ago, and that adds a definite special spirituality about them. Yeah, so.
1: primary children have so much to offer, and, and that's something that I hope that um, uh, as we spend more time talking about the ways in which we can gather Israel, we recognize that that invitation is inclusive of primary children because of what they have to offer. If we really think about what does that say that we're invited to make the same covenant that I made, that you made, Ashley, at baptism is invited to to an eight-year-old, boy and girl. They're making the same covenant, which means they have access to the same blessings. And Heavenly Father is really clear about those blessings. It's priesthood power. It's his voice. There's so much that is accessed at eight years old. So knowing that they have that, we really are helping to really understand just how capable they are to in, in that work of gathering that President Nelson has invited all church members to be a part of.
0: This is just kind of a thought that I had while you were saying that Primary is obviously kind of the foundational place where children go to learn the principles of the gospel, and then they end up graduating on to the Young Men and Young Women's programs. Now, the church just introduced an updated copy of the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet. The subtitle of the new For the Strength of Youth was a guide to making choices. Um, How do you see kids learning that choosing right versus wrong, and how can that build them up to be Uh, righteous young men and women?
1: Yeah, that's a really insightful question. I think that children need experiences with the Spirit, just like all of us do. And what we can do um, with more experience, maybe if we're talking about a different um, set of life experiences that children don't do, is we can help to point out when when the Spirit is present, to identify that the Spirit is present and allow them to start to recognize the ways that the Spirit feels to them, because it might be uniquely different to them than it is unique different to all of us, that the Spirit seeks to speak to us in a voice that um, will resonate with each of us individually. But when the Spirit is present, to point that out and help them recognize that this is a moment where God is trying to communicate and that um, they can share what they're hearing, what they're feeling, what they're learning, um, and so that they can easily begin to start to recognize that once they start to learn the Lord, the voice of the Lord, they're starting to recognize that they're receiving personal inspiration. Those things that they're receiving and feeling is an invitation from the Spirit to act and to do something, and that's where we're connecting um, God's inspiration with our agency, and therefore we're starting to make choices, and those choices will often lead us closer and closer to our Savior. Um, especially as we're being guided by His Spirit once we've learned to recognize His voice in our lives and we seek for
0: it. I'm recalling right now my first primary experience of recognizing the Spirit that you're talking about. I was about seven years old and I had been in primary and I loved the music and I loved to sing. And I knew that the Holy Ghost felt like a warm hug or it was comforting. And that was my understanding. And I remember I was in uh, my family bathroom and there was like that rod for the towel bolted to the wall. And for some reason, in my seven-year-old imagination, I thought, I want to hang from this rod like a monkey. I want to play like a monkey. And I grabbed onto the rod and it pulled out of the wall and there was two holes in the wall. And I immediately started to panic and I didn't know what to do. And in that moment, I decided to sit on the floor, walk away. And when my mom asked about it, like, does anybody know what happened to the rod in the bathroom? I decided to lie. Shortly after fibbing, I was like, oh, I just set a towel on it and it fell out of the wall, which is not even a very strong lie. I felt very guilty. And I remember coming to my mom in tears and just being like, I was trying to play like a monkey. I didn't mean to break it. I did it. Her response to me was actually very surprising. I expected her to be very upset at me, but... She said, Okay, you've apologized to me. Now you have to apologize to God. You have to repent. And I remember thinking, Oh, that sounds really hard. <laughs> that sounds really difficult. But I knew through primary that I should probably go to a quiet place and just be sincere. And so I knelt down in my room and I said probably the most seven year old prayer I was like, I'm sorry for lying about the bathroom rod. I hope you forgive me. And I remember feeling that comfort that's described as the Holy Ghost. And I remember being so excited. I got up straight away from my prayer and I went to my mom and I was like, Mom, Mom, I felt the Holy Ghost. And I think as far as what Primary taught me was how to recognize those signs, how to pray, and how to act in correcting wrong choices. And so I think that what you've said already about uh, making choices. When you're young, it's such a learning experience, and it's definitely the time to shape our abilities to choose well for ourselves.
1: That is such a powerful experience, Ashley, because some of the things that I'm hearing that are applicable, whether we're talking about primary children or we're talking about any of God's children at any age, is an understanding that one of the jobs of the, the Spirit is to help us feel better and to feel reconciled in the mistakes that we made. You know, we serve a a God who recognizes that we'll make mistakes and expects that. And in doing so, created a savior, sent us a savior specifically so that we can be comforted and reconciled. And and I love and it's beautiful that children very early on can feel what that reconciliation feels like, that comfort after making a mistake that doesn't feel condemning, but feels quite peaceful. That feels like a learning experience. And that allows us to remember that repentance is not meant to be this horrible punitive experience. It's meant to be a bomb. It's meant to be the thing that makes you feel better at when the guilt comes, right? It's meant to, to be to soothe.
0: Definitely. And I think that the coming of the spirit or the presence of the spirit reinforces that, as you said. Yeah. I know this is kind of going back to what was said previously, but I'm curious to know what your favorite primary song is now since you've kind of been going through the hymns and learning them and enjoying them. Yeah.
1: I find myself singing a few times I'm trying to be like Jesus. There's there's something about that song that I think has been resonating with me. I think a lot about what it means to have um, the Savior's image in my countenance. And as I reflect on the promises and um, just, just the language of that particular hymn, um, I, I reflect on how I'm trying to be like Jesus and that invitation that I can be every day in all that I do and say <laughs> not to be, um, <laughs> you know, that that there's opportunities for me to um to bring more of His image into my countenance. So that's been a sweet song that kind of plays in my mind regularly.
0: My favorite hymn is called A Child's Prayer. And I liked it a lot because of the round in it. And it's kind of a call yeah. and response between a child and their mother. And the child's asking, Heavenly Father, are you really there? And the mom's saying, Pray. Yeah. He hears you, basically. and. It actually is very parallel to that experience that I just shared, which I'm just now making the connection to, but (laughs) (laughs) perhaps that's why it was personal to me.
1: That's a beautiful one, too. I love that one as well.
0: So I know that there's a Friends to Friends broadcast coming up in early November. It's for primary age children and their families. And I'm curious what you can tell us about that and if you'll be featured in it.
1: Yes. And it's actually happening this Saturday, November 5th is when that broadcast happens. I'm so excited. I am featured in it. It's the first time, you know, I've done anything of this type. But what was really unique to me about this particular experience is that there are children featured in it as well. I think some of the previous Friend to Friend episodes, great, wonderful. Um, the difference between those and this one is that you'll find that there's a lot more children uh, prominently featured in in this particular uh, episode. Um, just really, really powerful instructions about how we can feel Heavenly Father's love and how we can show our love for our Savior and for Heavenly Father. And I loved participating in it. And while it is directed to children, their parents, I would invite anybody to watch it because I was also quite engaged uh, just overall and thought, wow, I'm I'm really excited to sit down with my teenage and young adult children and do a premiere with popcorn. Um, because I was really, really pleased with how it came out and thought, this is this is good. This is really good. And I think that There's something that can be offered beyond that, but certainly it's targeted, you know, done with uh, our younger members in in mind.
0: I think that we're blessed to live in a generation where we can minister through technology like that broadcast and reach so many people around the world. I mean, this is a worldwide church, so it's almost Mm -hmm. unfathomable how many people are seeking Christ in the world around us and even children I imagine that Friends to Friends is kind of like the primary version of the face-to-faces for the youth. I'm glad that they also get to be a little bit in the spotlight, like you said, featured in that. Yeah. So aside from ministering in the Friends to Friends broadcast, will you also be traveling and doing some kind of ministry work in other countries?
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely a part of the assignment of general officers, broadly that we each have opportunities to travel whether that be domestically or internationally. I recently came back from the Caribbean I spent some time in Puerto Rico, in Trinidad and in Jamaica doing some of that ministry work that you've kind of described there there are children's devotionals, there's leadership trainings there's um, we visit with members and just express love and thanks and gratitude lots of different. Um, work and and I have more upcoming and more into next year where I'll be doing things similar to that as as well as uh, other sisters who serve in other organizations are also out in the world or in the domestic uh, United States and Canada and Mexico.
0: There's a lot of logistics that go into it, but what's your most favorite part about seeing saints in other places?
1: Oh gosh, you know I'm a I'm a hugger. I love closing the gap, even physically, between uh, me and others people tend to be really vulnerable and share their testimonies with you, share their hearts, share share their hurts, share lots of lots of things where you feel quite connected. I feel viscerally that I'm living that first and second great commandment at times where it feels, I feel so connected to others and it's powerful and it's often through the, te- you know, it's often through testifying, it's often through um, sharing what we know and and standing and and testifying of those truths that um, start to to close distance and offer connection. So the sweetest part of those assignments is always going to be involved with how close and connected and the love that I feel that I know is is ex- expressed through our Savior's love for His children and all over the world my deep gratitude that I get to to offer that love. And as a sweet reward, it almost feels like eating dessert, you know, have some of that love returned. It just is, it's a powerful experience.
0: I like that, like eating dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind, I would love to hear a little bit more about your conversion experience and what it was like to be taught by the missionaries.
1: Sure. So I joined the church when I was 16, and I did so back East. My mother joined the church before I did. And I'm going to give you the condensed version, or we'll be here a pretty long time. Sure. But um, she joined the ch- church about a year before I did. And during that year that she was kind of investigating and, and preparing herself for uh, to, to become a member of the church and for baptism— you know, she would take me to church with her and I would go to Sunday meetings and I was really had positive and, and wonderful experiences within our community of believers. Um, I had, had foundational uh, experiences with the gospel as part of another uh, congregation. I, uh, My family in New Jersey, we had grown up going to a Presbyterian church and there were some foundational things that made me prepared to, to receive the restored gospel. Um, but as my mother was investigating, you know, I, I got to to have some close association and fellowshipping with Latter-day Saints. And then one summer, my mother said, um, you know, for summer vacation, we're going to go see this, um, what I thought was a play on a hill in upstate New York. And she said, you know, we're, we're going to do that. And I thought, okay, well, I'm obedient. I'll, I'll go do that. But that wasn't necessarily the the way i wanted to spend my summer vacation but that experience at the hill cumora pageant um which is more than just um uh you know the the sort of reenactment of book of mormon scenes on on the hill cumora there are other experiences at the sacred grove and at other uh church history locations i realized during that experience that that i i had questions and those questions were the the seeds of faith i remember saying to my mom during that time. So these things really happened. This is, I thought that it was a play on a hill. And then I started to try to find language that says, well, if it's not a play on a hill, is it a reenactment? Why do I feel like you're not just, that we're not watching an artistic rendition of something that this this might be something more than that. And, and a wise mother understood that those are good questions. Let's Let's now, when we get home, invite the missionaries to come and um, teach you the gospel. And it did not take very long. I had a a couple of uh, conversations with the missionaries before I think they sensed that that invitation to baptism was appropriate for me. And I was eager, very, very eager, and um, was baptized, as I said, when I was 16, and joined this small community of saints in New York who were largely made up of new convert members. And we just had a growing, close connection of of learning the restored gospel of Jesus Christ together. Just really powerful as a youth.
0: It sounds like both curiosity and community helped bring you into the gospel. And Sister Browning, you were the first Black woman to speak in General Conference. What does making history as a modern-day pioneer mean to you? I think that's an
1: interesting question to reflect on because um I've shared on a couple of other occasions that when I had that had to have a conversation with heavenly father and our savior about what what it was that I should share what what was this that um I needed to do there was never any communication returned about the historicity the historicness the first of it and I think that's a blessing because I really Um, the, the purpose and the focus should be on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Reflecting on that question and just the reality of it, because we exist in a world where we count firsts, which is common and normal and totally appropriate for us, I recognize that this represents for a lot of people something new that they haven't seen before. And people may feel connected as a result of that. And if I can be a vessel you know, that allows people to connect themselves to the Restored Church, that allows leaders and others to then, and even myself, to point them to Jesus Christ, then that's okay. That's a positive thing. If that first allows me to um, connect them to God, then that's the vehicle to do that. So that's that's how I think of, of it on reflection. In the moment, you just you just wanna deliver that message and make sure that message is pure and comes from our savior. And it has nothing to do with the way that we examine the world as humans, you know?
0: Right, and I can't imagine standing up there. I know that the conference center has 21,000 seats in it. How did you feel having to deliver what you were inspired to share in front of those people?
1: It's shocking for me to say this, but um, I didn't see 21,000 people. I don't know why. <laughs> other than I felt like I was just in a little bit of a bubble as I stood at the podium. Um, I did not have, and I'm grateful for it, any anything going through my mind that sort of expressed the scale of what was happening. Those are the things, again, you kind of come afterwards with gratitude um, that you didn't maybe uh, mess it up, hopefully but for whatever reason when i when i was standing there i didn't see 21,000 people i i felt very connected to members who were seeking and looking for answers and were seeking truth and i just wanted to honor honor the invitation that i had received
0: just one final question for you sister browning you mentioned that you really appreciate being a vessel to share the gospel of jesus christ or in sharing the gospel what advice would you give to people who are still trying to discover how to make connections with others through the gospel and make it a very natural topic?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I think about all the things that bring me joy, and how easy it is for me to talk about things that bring me joy. I mean, really secular things. I can tell you about the joy that comes with these glasses <laughs> that I put on every day, or the joy that comes from um, a good restaurant, um, and it's really normal and natural for me to have. Um, joyful conversations about experiences that i'm having in lots of temporal ways but i as a person who um, is also seeking to find joys in ways that are lasting in jo- ways that are eternal i would invite people to start to understand or start to to figure out if they feel joy in the gospel of jesus christ and if the answer may not be a resounding yes how can i start to receive the blessing that The scriptures and our savior has promised because it's meant to be joyful. And I know that once we start focusing on the joy of the gospel, the joy of our relationship with this, with our savior, the joy of it all, those things tend to be natural. I, at this point, it's really hard for me not to talk about the gospel because it just, brings me that much joy and permeates every aspect of my life. So it kind of comes out in the same way that I eat every day. And when I find a new good restaurant, I tend to share it. Well, I read the scriptures every day. And when something profound hits me, I tend to look around and say, oh my gosh, can I tell you what happened to me today as I read the scriptures? That also happens when I'm experiencing joy. And I want others to really un- to really look inside and say, am I experiencing that joy And if the answer is not a resounding yes, what can I do to receive what the Savior has promised, which is joy in the gospel, so that it does become normal and natural for me?
0: Yeah, so it sounds like small changes may be necessary if we aren't recognizing or feeling the joy that the gospel does bring into our lives, because we receive the blessings that are predicated on good action, I guess, essentially commandment. I just want to invite you to take the last little bit to bear your testimony if you would like.
1: Well, thank you, Ashley, for this wonderful conversation. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to speak to your audience, um, because I know that oftentimes those who are listening to this are interested. They're interested in understanding not just what I have to say, but what what is being said in the context of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I can testify to you is that there is truth and light and life and joy in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that it's a promise, and it's a promise that is, that comes to us through covenant keeping, through covenant making, and then holding our arms out, ready to receive all that comes when we prepare to make and keep sacred covenants. And I testify that the things that will come will overflow in our arms. And that the, the those things that we're striving for, connection with God, deeper connection in our relationships, Um, more holiness, more of the things that we're seeking in our lives comes to us through the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, particularly in his church, because this is where you make the, um, the you have the ordinances and you make the covenants. And I testify to you that that's true in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, it's been a pleasure interviewing you today, Sister Browning. I was really looking forward to our conversation today, and I hope that um, you enjoyed it as well.
1: I did. Thank you so much, Ashley.
0: For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Ashley Chilcutt. This was an interview with Sister Tracy Y. Browning, the second counselor in the primary general presidency for The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.